Welcome to Public Health Explained, the new series from Everything is Public Health. I'm MJ. I'm Cass. We're doing a new series. We're doing a new series. Oh, fun. I love learning about these things live in real time (laughs) without any preparation. Super, super. It's okay. You know these things already. Um, You spent pretty much all of our previous episodes talking about public health and trying to show, you know, different aspects of public health, trying to, you know, get people excited about it. Also doing some current events coverage as much as we can. But I realized that we actually don't explain the principles of public health that much usually it's within the context of an episode that we explain something yeah which can be like sometimes there may be concepts that because of the length of the episode we just briefly touch on yeah that we don't really get to dig into or sometimes because we have a lot of knowledge in public health we are it's like the expertise bias i think it's called Curse of like it's a or common something. thing in yeah. teaching right you forget what you don't know or you for, you like you forget what it was like to be learning something for the first time and so yes. we may breeze over a concept without fully taking the time to explain it we want to inspire people to pursue public health as a career right to show how awesome and ubiquitous public health is and i think a part of that should be us talking about some core concepts of public health and how they work in action any response no i'm excited i'm okay. looking yeah. forward to seeing how this goes okay here we go so and i figured the best place to start is one of the first terms that you learn in public health which is incidence and prevalence sure like public health is is really broad. It brings in a range of topics, a range of considerations, but a big part of public health is understanding data, both how it's distributed and how you look at it and use it. And so some of the core disciplines in public health are epidemiology and biostatistics. Yes, which to some new public health students, biostats uh, became the bane of our existence, but it is a very important subject. And now... Do we want to give people a brief explanation of what epidemiology and biostatistics are, since they might not know? Yes, go ahead. So epidemiology is the study of the distribution and burden of disease originally, but it's also been expanded to think about injury, epidemiology, and other topics. It's basically how is a public health issue distributed among a population? Does it burden some groups more than others? Really understanding sort of how things are distributed through populations. Biostatistics, taking statistics, sort of concepts of modeling and applying them to public health. And so how we're analyzing data, interpreting data, those kinds of things. Yeah, it's stats. Essentially, that's what it is. Now, since this is a podcast, we don't have any visual aid or any blackboard for us to draw things out. So as a result, we're not going to throw many numbers out there because it's probably hard to keep track with just an audio medium. So this will be a big test for both of us. We're both teachers, you way more than I am, but are we ready for this challenge? I'm ready. Let's do it. We're going to start with incidents, right? We could give you the formula, but that will make for a very short and boring episode. So let's do this conceptually. So let's say there's a brand new disease no one has ever gotten before. That's not hard to imagine given the current context of 2022. But you know, the, one of the first things that we want to know is How many people are getting it, right? But if I were just to tell you we have a thousand new cases, that's not enough. No, right. We need context. A thousand new cases out of how many people and in what area. Yes. So that makes a big difference. Unfortunately, it's not always easy to determine what the denominator is, especially with something that's infectious. Right. So we need to think about the at-risk population when we're thinking about the denominator. Not everybody may be at risk of getting something. And who is at risk isn't always super clear. Yeah. So for disease that's non-infectious, the at-risk population may be easier to determine. For example, prostate cancer, we obviously would only count people with prostates and we wouldn't count people 
without prostates, right? Women, et cetera. It just wouldn't make sense. Like, why would you dilute the denominator? Right. It would skew your burden to looking like it was a smaller burden because your denominator, the population at risk, is too large and includes people who aren't actually at risk. Yeah. So back to our example, let's say we have a thousand new cases in the city of Baltimore, right? Because like we said, the denominator mattered. The city of Baltimore has about 600,000 people. But even with this people denominator, it is still not enough context to get the real picture of how many new cases there are. Right. Because we need to know there's a thousand new cases in a population of 600,000 people. But what about time? Yeah. Is it per day, per month? Per year. Yeah, a thousand cases in the city of Baltimore per day is very different than a thousand cases in the city of Baltimore per year. I don't know how monkeypox is doing, but uh, like when we're talking about new cases, time frame is important. But Cass, how do we do people and time together? Yeah, so this is where we think about exposure um, and we're thinking about the concept of a person year or it could be a person month or a person day, whatever the time frame that we're looking at. Usually person year, yeah. Yeah, it's a sort of a hypothetical of X number of people are observed over a year, and that gives you a sense of the at-risk population to help you understand the true burden of the new cases. Yeah, and I think the, the most helpful thing about person year is that it allows us to transform units because sometimes you can't observe for a whole year, right? Or sometimes you observe multiple years, right? So if you don't combine those two, then it becomes harder for the units to talk. So if you just have a standard, we're going to talk about how many people over a year, person year, then depending on, you could change with population, it could change with the time frame. we could just convert that into a person year. Absolutely. So we need to be thinking about comparability. So if you're talking about a thousand cases in Baltimore versus a thousand cases in New York City mm-hmm. in a year, we need to be thinking about that population size. And it makes it more comparable. If I said there are three new cases per 100,000 person years in Baltimore versus 50 new cases per 100,000 person years in New York, it gives you the capacity to compare, even though the geography might be very different. Yeah. New York is about. How many times bigger than Baltimore? Like a lot. lot. (laughs) I don't know. Now, I'm so glad you brought up the word rate because now here's where things get a little freaky. Calculating new cases as they happen is important when you're facing a new disease or condition. But the real reason why public health researchers care so much about incidents is to project that number in the future. So typically, incidence is not used. I mean, it is, but it typically is not used for like what's going on right now. But it's in terms of how many cases can we expect given a period of time. And I'm so glad you brought up the term rate because incidence, and this is what they drill you on day one, incidence is a rate. Absolutely. So we're thinking about incidence, how many new cases are happening. And then we have the issue of how many cases there already are, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure we'll get to in a moment. Yes, we will. (laughs) So not to jump ahead too far, but you need to think about how many new cases and then you need to think about how many there currently are and you use that information to forecast what we might see. Yeah. So I wish people could see my like my my hands are like <laughs> yeah. because we because we're we usually use a only whiteboard words. to do this. Yeah. I'm like my hand is very expressive right now. Yeah. It's like it's um, doing an interpretive dance. Yeah, it kind of is. Uh, I also do that sometimes. Um, the neat thing is that this could apply to things outside of disease. So we talk about a lot of things on this show, and then incidence is not restricted to an infectious disease. We could use these things for whatever you want. So we might think about gun violence, which is what I study. We might talk about a rate of firearm homicide being mm-hmm. around four per 100,000 people each year. 
We can think about lead poisoning, which is something we've talked about. There are lots of different topics where we might want to know how many people got a thing per the unit of interest, which is 100,000 people per year as a common denominator. Yeah. And now that we have incidents in mind, let's move to prevalence, which is the thing that you just previewed for us, right? Incidence is great as giving us information about how many new cases of a disease there are given a person year. But let's say this isn't a new disease, right? Let's say it's something that's been there for a while. In addition to knowing how many new people are getting sick, like you said, we want to know what else maybe we want to know. We want to know how many people are already sick. And this is particularly important for non-communicable diseases. Yes. So for something like COVID, mm-hmm. you know, people are sick and may become sick, but it's in general, not a long-term thing. Yeah. Putting long COVID aside for a moment. But things like diabetes or heart disease are things where you develop the thing, you become a case in the incidence bucket. Mm-hmm. But then you keep that thing and then you move into the prevalence bucket. Yeah. So it's important to understand, as we talked about before, who's getting it new Mm -hmm. and who already has it. In thinking about the context around incidents, there's also context that we need for prevalence. So we need to know how many people have it out of how many people are at risk and the time frame that we're talking about. Because if we're talking about the prevalence on a particular day, month, year, that will That's vary. And so we need to think about time frame also. Yeah. Prevalence is always a proportion. Like out of how many people in this population have this condition, incidence, and this is important. That's why I'm repeating it. Incidence is a rate. Like you're talking about overtime, new cases over time. Right. Prevalence does think about time, yeah. but not as part of the denominator. Yeah. Prevalence thinks about time to give you context for the number you're talking about. Yes. And that's where the tricky parts come in, because the tricky part is that there are three types of prevalence and they all do different things. right? And I think the most intuitive type is point prevalence, which is the equivalent of how many people are, have this condition right now. Like at any given time, typically right now, but it could be any time. Right. And this is generally more helpful for things that are non-communicable, things that generally don't go away, right? So cancer, diabetes, heart disease, those kinds of things. But it's really challenging to do point prevalence for something like the flu or COVID. It's not that you can't do it, but it is harder for things where you may, from one day to the next, you may have it or not have it. Yeah, fall off, meaning you no longer have the thing. Yeah. And then doing point prevalence with something that's so ephemeral like that it doesn't give you the picture that you want to give you. That's why typically with something infectious, you typically you see incidents, but there are other types of prevalence, right? For those things that come and go, we have lifetime prevalence, which kind of like the name suggests is how many people at some point in their life got this condition. So for that, something like COVID would apply. Like, did you have COVID yet? And there are like, uh, what are they called? Super dodgers? The people who at 2022 have not caught COVID yet, which is very small. (laughs) Well, so I was reading about this the other day because as far as I know, James and I and our daughter have not gotten COVID. Oh, you lucky butts. But I was reading something that says actually... Because 40% of COVID cases could be asymptomatic, Yeah, <laughs> we may have gotten it and just not gotten sick, but we've never been sick from COVID as far as we know. So 
Yay. Um, <laughs> is that a humble brag? <laughs> no, that was just a straight up brag. That okay. wasn't a humble brag. That was just like, you know, so far, okay. so far, right, we're, right, like right. The, we're like that Muhammad Ali gif where he's in Float the corner, like, like dodging yeah. all the punches yeah, yeah. and then laughing. Ha ha. Anyway. <sighs> okay. <laughs> but sometimes we don't want a lifetime. Sometimes yeah. Lifetime's thinking about the lifetime prevalence might be too much. So the third type of prevalence is what we call period prevalence. So it could be over the last 12 months, six weeks, whatever it might be, it is a period of time which is different from point prevalence, which is at this particular moment, how many people have a thing versus over this time span, how many people have a thing. Yeah. And then the same thing with incidents. Prevalence also applies to things outside of disease. These are epidemiological concepts, but public health has sort of like adopted them <laughs> whole cloth and just like, here, use it, use it everywhere that you want. Well, and as we've talked about previously, public health is a really large umbrella yeah. that pulls in concepts from different disciplines because the core of public health is being multidisciplinary. We acknowledge that no one discipline, no one group, perspective, individual, whatever is going to solve public health across the board. There are a range of different issues we need to consider. And so we have the benefit of being public health professionals and researchers and being able to tap into all of these different strategies and methodologies. These are numbers that if you follow the news, I think they come up quite often. Like how many what, how many new cases are we getting? Like how many cases are we expecting next year? Right, That's incidents. And again, this is very important. Incidents is always a rate. Prevalence is always a proportion. In the context of time. In the context of time. Yes, that's important. Right. That's the tricky part. They both have time, but one has time in the denominator and one has time only as context. Yes. And if you go to public health school and when you take an epidemiological final or midterm, one of the questions will be something to do with incidents being a rate because it's a lot of people, me too, myself included, forget that incidence is a rate, uh, but it is. It's a rate. You're describing things over time. Anyway, saved you a point there on your final. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Everything is Public Health, our new Public Health Explained series. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and spread the word so more people can learn about the awesomeness of public health and some of these core principles. Mm -hmm. New episodes are released every Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please give us a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcast. It really does help the show immensely. Send us comments or questions or new topics you want us to explain to everythingispublichealth at gmail.com. Reach out if you think we missed an important perspective or suggest a future episode topic. This episode is brought to you by Bar Soap. You know, the soap that doesn't require a plastic bottle to hold it. That's all I want to say. <laughs> or you could get a glass bottle. Something like that, right? Follow us on Twitter at EverythingIsPH or Instagram at EverythingIsPublicHealth. You can also find me on Twitter at Dr. Krafasi. More information regarding this episode can be found in the show notes below. Listeners, we have a Patreon page and that going forward will also be our website. Visit the site for all major updates and bonus material. We are 100% Patreon supported in that we do this for the love of public health, not for the big paychecks from sponsors. If you want to support the podcast directly, you can support us on our Patreon page. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health. <laughs>